Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. This is the opening session to a five-week series, finishing with our Labor Day extravaganza. Five weeks uh, for a series that's been four years in the making. 2018, Conversations uh, on the Holy Spirit. Pastor Keith, Pastor Jonathan, me. 2019, uh, YOLO, where we looked at the future, the end times. This series is the perfect combination, the culmination, where we look now at what the Spirit does to prepare us, hey, I like this subtitle, to overcome the future. How does the Spirit work in that way? We debated whether to make this S a capital a capital or not, because it's his spirit working in our spirit. So that's, that's our series, and uh, we're really looking forward to, to being with you. The question tonight, and I'd invite some feedback here, and if you want to drop a comment. In fact, I think there's even something of a voting bar on this one. Let, let's start with this question. Uh, I, I, think, I, think we, uh, I think we have some sense of whether we think the world is going in a good direction or not, well, well, what do you think? Uh, is, is the world getting better or worse? When we, when we talk about the future, what image do we have? Uh, progress or catastrophe? I think the idea that we're making progress is still pretty popular, and I'll tell you how. I often hear people saying something like this. Uh, how can it be in this day and age that this so-and-so is still happening, right? Of course, that presumes that we have evolved, that we've progressed, so those things shouldn't still be happening. If you've heard a statement like that and you want to put a comment in there, I'd be glad to read them. I'll give you the two obvious ones, right? How can it be in this day and age that Russia invades Ukraine, putting the world on the precipice of disaster? What is this, making, making the Soviet Union great again? Or how about this one? How can, in this day and age, we had the, we had the Black Plague. How in this day and age can a pandemic shut down the world and change all of our patterns? Uh, those presume that we should have learned from the past, that we should be progressing to overcome it, right? Okay, so what... What's the literature saying? I got brought a few books from home. First two that I do not own. Let's start with a book by Adam Smith, uh, 1776. Very important book in terms of development of economic uh, theory. Okay, Adam Smith, you're wondering. Now, any relationship to Jonathan? No. Keith Smith, yes. Okay, this book came out in 1776, so that would be Pastor Keith's uh, great-grandfather, Adam Smith. Smith said, there is a bright future for a market economy, capitalism, if everybody looks out for themselves. In other words, selfishness 
will bring benefits to all. He actually described it in mystical terms. He said it's like an, an our selfishness is like an invisible hand that directs the market towards productivity and profits. Wow. Uh, how about this one? Uh, you know this one. Maybe you didn't know the first one. 1859, Origin of the Species, Darwin says, that when you look back in history, you will see uh, an evolution of the human species, and we are getting better. We are evolving to higher life forms. That sounds pretty positive. But, but the books today... Um, the, the books today that are out there in the market, this one is extremely popular. Like this, this is uh, this this one origin story. This one has become a colossus on the market, and uh, David Christian is making the argument that yes, our evolutionary past is impressive. Yes, we have done many things, but he says uh, what what we don't see is how this can end up in disaster. Like it or not, he says, we are now managing an entire biosphere. And we can do it well or badly. He says, we've come a long way. But we could throw it away if we're not wise. Uh, th this book I found very intriguing. Wright, Wright is a brilliant commentator. And this is from a, the Massey Lecture series. Again, he, he's saying, okay, a short history of progress. Doesn't mean that progress has been short, but it's a short, right, short analysis of it. Well, let me read to you a little bit from lecture number one. Our civilization, which subsumes most of its predecessors, is a great ship steaming at speed into the future. The vessel we are now aboard is not merely the biggest of all time, it is also the only one left. The future of everything we have accomplished since our intelligence evolved will depend on the wisdom, oh, the wisdom of our actions over the next few years. The world has grown, grown too small to forgive us any big mistakes. Sort of worn the cover off this one, so sorry. This is just, uh, you know, the inside. Butterfield, University of Cambridge. Christianity and history. He makes a careful distinction between knowledge and wisdom. He said, no doubt about it, we know much more than people did in the ancient world. Hey, internet, Wikipedia, we know a lot more stuff. But he said, that is not necessarily a higher form of life because it takes wisdom to know what to do with that knowledge. And in terms of wisdom, in terms of character, in terms of morality, in terms of justice, in those cases where the most intimate parts of human wisdom and experience are concerned, each generation, each individual, has to start, in a certain sense, at the beginning again. You can pass down formulas. You can pass down Wikipedia articles. How do you pass down moral development character? That would be my concern too. What does the Bible say about this? 
well, I'm not going to tell you tonight. I mean, it's only week one of a five-part series. I mean, I want to come back. But, I mean, there are some things we can say. Obviously, no, no spoiler alert here, but the Bible says the future is glorious. The questions that remain then is, who's going to share in that glory? And what can we expect between now and then? Okay? But, but there's something more I want to say biblically. I want to take uh, three biblical themes that help us understand how we should understand world history and our own history. Three biblical ideas. And let's use these as a bit of a template for the next uh, five weeks. Sound good? Okay. First primary theme, and I see this right off the bat in the first few verses of the Bible, uh, from Genesis 1, the idea of spirit and chaos. Spirit and chaos. Jeff, let's go right to Genesis 1, and we'll, we'll leave this text up here for a moment. Some of the most famous words in literature. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, there's our subject title. Yes, the scroll's been unrolled. Okay, this is how it all began. Notice how this origin story reads. Now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Notice this imagery of absolute chaos. This is not uh, water that is beautiful to look at. This is not water that you say, hey, I'd like to slip, swim in that. This is, this is the water of flooding. This is the water that appeared in my basement a couple weeks ago. This is the water that drips out of your ice machine when you're gone for a holiday. This is the water that destroys in a tsunami. This is chaos. There's no life. There's no light. But isn't it stunning, this idea, that not only chaos is there, but chaos is one of the primary themes. Let's leave it up for a minute, Jeff. Chaos is one of the primary themes of world history and biblical history, too. I mean, you, you know chaos. We experience in our lives all the time. Uh, leave, leave your garden to take care of itself for a month. Chaos. Leave your son and daughter to take care of their own room without you harping on it. Chaos. Leave your husband to clean up the kitchen after a meal. I can't, I can't believe I just said something that sexist. I mean, we've evolved as men, yes? I mean, right now, we're, we're as... As much at home in the wood shop, wish I had some tools, as we are within the kitchen, right? It's just that we don't, it's just that we don't want to do the dishes. We, we could leave us to do it. Chaos. Leave people with selfish interest. Leave people who act in a way that shows their interest in themselves in charge of a family, a church a town, a nation, a globe. And you don't just have chaos, you have total chaos. It's one of the themes of history, that things run down, that they go awry. It gets messy. 
Isn't it stunning that the first note of hope in this chaotic scene, the writer tells us the Spirit of God is hovering over a flooded planet. As things are about to get better, as the waters are about to recede, as a garden is planted, as humans are put in it, the Spirit is there. Let me suggest to you there's a principle here. Thanks, Jeff. Let me suggest there's a principle here where the Spirit is Chaos recedes. One of the principles of biblical history is spirit and chaos. Let's come to another one, number two. These two themes you'll recognize if you know anything about uh, the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Exile and exodus are biblical themes. And they, they not only convey to us great moments in history, but they are also critical in understanding our identity of who we are as individuals and where we are going. Exile and exodus. Okay? Certainly, these two primary events were formative for how the Israelites understood who they were. They were a people that God had led out of captivity. They were a people that finally were free. They were people of the Exodus. Centuries later, they became. And who would have thought, in this day and age, if you're an ancient Israelite, having heard the stories about this, who would have thought, this day and age, that in the 500s before Christ, the people of Israel would be prisoners once again under the Babylonians. Ancient Jewish mindset, mindset had to balance these two ideas in terms of who they were, of exodus and exile. Of course, it's not just the Jewish story, it's the human story. Let's go back to Genesis 1 in our minds. The waters recede, the Spirit of God is there, a garden is planted. Two individuals are put in charge of it. Two individuals, it turns out, who decided to do this their own way, who started to act with their own self-interest in mind. What the, was the result? Chaos. They are exiled from paradise, and they find themselves not people of the exodus of freedom, but they find themselves people of the ex exile. This is the human condition. And it's not just related to migrants. You can feel like an exile in your own home, your own town, uh, being in exile is one of the great themes of human history. Uh, Northrop Frye, uh, won't show you the book cover, sort of see it here again, Massey Lectures. Frye, uh, Frye, a great, great teacher of English, University of Toronto, said the story of the loss and regaining of identity is, I think, the framework of all literature. The human story told as exile. 
Even Jesus understood his existence in terms of exile. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. He is talking with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he makes clear to them that even though he was in the world, and about to, to depart from it, of course, but even though he's in the world, he was never of it. Catch it? I'm here, but this is not my home. This is not where I belong. That exilic mindset that we are foreigners, that we are aliens, that something's just not right, that paradise is beyond our grip, that we can't get back to it. Jesus shared in that sense of exile. In it. Not of it. If Jesus identified as a person of exile, then as followers of Jesus, we can expect to identify ourselves as people of exile too. That's why for the next three weeks, we want to look at these themes and how the Spirit comes to us in exile and what the experience of being in exile is and how the Spirit leads us to Exodus. The next three weeks, exile. Third theme. Hey, we're just touching on these, right? Are you busy next week? The third great biblical theme that comes to us in the New Testament is clash of clan. The, the clash between the age of Adam and the age of Christ. Between the past in the future, between good and evil, between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom to come. The New Testament describes to us clash, chaos on a global scale, but the difference is the clash intensified For when Jesus comes, the future starts to break in like a wave against the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of this world rises up against it and we're caught in the middle of it to this day. It's the clash of clans. There, there's a stunning scene whether you've read it or not, you may have seen it depicted or described. It's the scene of Jesus being oh, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The Spirit leads him into exile, outside of the town, away from people to be tested. I, I don't think we always realize the drama behind this scene. Here is the one bringing the future, meaning the one who thinks he's got a stranglehold on the past. Hey, I don't know what your um, Satanology is, but uh, there's only one Satan, only one personage, however we might understand it, him, her. For Satan to show up tells you something about the importance of Jesus. 
You know, we often say, you know, hey, Satan's tempted me to do this. Hey, as for me, I doubt I've ever been important enough for Satan to actually show up to tempt me. He's got other people he can send. Satan actually shows up in the wilderness and tempts Jesus to see if they can reach some kind of understanding that will allow the kingdom of God to sort of fit in, fit in. When the kingdom of God came with the coming of Jesus, the chaos only intensifies. And Jesus told us that's exactly how it would happen. He warned us that after he was gone, that there would be physical distress, earthquakes. The world would be shaken physically. He warned us about wars, social conflict. Oh, okay, Dr. Got it. Jesus thought the world was getting worse. No. He also said that when he went, he would give his spirit. So something good would happen. On the day of Pentecost, when the spirit falls, when Jesus sends the spirit, you know, you know the text that is quoted? It's, it's, it's the text from Joel 2, the prophet in the Old Testament who foresaw the day. He said, I, I see a day when, uh, when God will pour out his spirit on everyone. And that was the text that Peter quotes on that day. Here the spirit is not a destructive wave. Here the spirit is not a flood. Here the spirit is life-giving rain in the desert to people in exile. Jesus says, uh, things around you are going to be shaken, but I'm sending you my spirit. So is the world getting better or worse? You want to read ahead a little bit? Um, Romans chapter 5, second part, uh, starting about verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Sorry I don't have this in the notes. Sort of new here. Oh, it's been, you know, 2019. Forgot to put them in. Romans uh, 5, verse 12 and following. Paul describes the situation we live in because we're still suffering the effects of Adam's clan. Sin, death, selfishness, destruction. But we're already starting to experience something of the blessing of Jesus' reign. And towards the end of that chapter, he quotes a verse which I think summarizes how we should see the future too. What do you think? Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Is the uh, world getting better or worse? Both. Three biblical themes, spirit and chaos. 
exile and exodus, clash of clans. All three biblical views on what's going on in history complement one another and help us understand who we are and what the future holds and what the Spirit will do. This is what we will develop in this series. How do we end today? Uh, this past Monday morning, and as you uh, know, here in Ontario, it is one of the sacred holidays of the entire year. It is the civic holiday, and my tradition is on the civic holiday, I like to get up a little bit earlier to take some of the pressure off. Well, it's like Thanksgiving. You know, on Thanksgiving, uh, it's helpful because I typically would go to church. So I start off by being thankful. So it takes the pressure off, right? If you can start the day being thankful, then you don't carry that pressure all day. Oh, I forgot to be thankful. Same thing with the civic. Oh, my goodness. The stress of having to be civic to people all day, particularly people driving Honda Civics, you know, special props to them. Oh, the pressure of being civic. So I'm up early saying, how do I be civic today? And I said, uh, I said to the Lord, okay, forget that. I don't even know what civic means. But Lord, I, but I do want to know, how do I land these three themes? And a, an image became really clear to me. Uh, it's, it's an image you already saw, which is the spirit hovering over the waters. Can you recall it? I, I, I don't know how much storage space you have in your brain for photos. Can you add this one? Can you carry it through the series? Can you see it? Darkness. Nothing. Just water everywhere. And the Spirit of God, Spirit of the living God, hovering over top. Okay, you got it? Now, do you have an edit feature? Good. C cut out the bottom. Splice something in. Paste it in. Paste in your chaos. Go ahead. Paste it in. You see it? See the spirit of the living God hovering over your chaos? That's a picture that the chaos is about to recede. Hey, uh, I, I don't want to presume where you are in your faith journey, but I'd like to pray for you. That this image would give you strength and hope and would begin to form in you or to strengthen in you the spirit to overcome. It's the spirit that causes chaos. Yeah, even your chaos to recede. Let's pray together. Oh, great Lord God, who created the heavens and the earth, as you sent the spirit as you began to create light for everyone watching, might they have a picture in their mind of the Spirit descending upon their particular situation of chaos. Spirit of the living God. Would that happen?
Lord, we invite your spirit. We invite his presence into our lives and into our situation. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.